Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. I'm your host, Celine Chenoy. Thank you to all of you who return every week to tune in to become a better version of yourself. Make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't already, and rate our show if you enjoyed this episode. We all do it, belittling who we are, what we do, and what we stand for, often without realizing it. And this toxic self-talk can discourage us from becoming the person we know we're meant to be. According to my guest, Katie Horwich, we need more than repeating positive mantras to create deep and lasting change. We need an inner language for loving who we are while realizing our full potential. She's here to introduce us to this framework. Katie Horwich is a nationally recognized writer, speaker, mindset coach, and women's empowerment activist. She has spent over a decade working to shift the cultural self-talk paradigm. She has spoken about self-confidence, living fearlessly, and shifting the stories and habits that help shape our negative self-talk patterns. Katie is the founder of the multimedia platform WANT, Women Against Negative Talk, and the host of the WANTcast, the Women Against Negative Talk podcast. In this interview, Katie will offer a new approach to shift our negative self-talk patterns in a real, lasting way that goes beyond just speaking nicely to yourself. She'll provide tips, tools, and motivation to improve the stories we tell ourselves so we can move forward fearlessly. Hi, Katie. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful today. Thank you. I was just, we were talking before we started recording and, and I mentioned that I'm feeling extra, extra cozy coming into this interview. So I'm really, really excited to have a, a great conversation today. I'm so happy to have you on the show and I'm excited to tackle a topic which I think is really, really critical because of its impact on mental health. And that is learning how to manage the voice in our head. And unfortunately, that's becoming increasingly difficult for people to do in the modern world, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because, you know, you said managing the voice in your head. A lot of people, when they think of self-talk, that's exactly what they think of, right? They think of that (laughs) internal monologue. And I am someone who has an ongoing internal monologue. You as well, I'm, I'm guessing, as you're nodding. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, I don't know if you believe in astrology, but as a Gemini, it's probably more <laughs> than the average person. Oh, 100%. My, my husband is, his sun sign is in Gemini and I okay. my son is in Libra. So we kind of- um, Air signs. I, yeah, we're air signs, and I uh, hopefully my my balance lends to his multiple uh, ways of being and choices that he has on how to speak to himself throughout the day. What, what is your sun sign? Libra. So Libra is oh, all okay. about the scales and balance. So you know, I think all of us have these ha- have an inner inner monologue, and some of us have conflicting voices and conflicting thoughts and feelings going on within us, which I wanted to bring up because not actually everybody's self-talk shows up as talk to begin with. It is fascinating as someone who has an ongoing internal monologue and and has for 
as long as she can remember having having thoughts. But there is a whole subset of people who don't experience their self-talk as talk at all. They they experience it as visuals or these abstract feelings. Some people talk about it like a movie that's going on in their minds. And so when we talk about sort of managing and being mindful of our inner voice, so to speak, when we start with the talk part of self-talk, that completely ignores that whole group of people that aren't starting with words to begin with. And some of us experience both at the same time, right? Sometimes we can experience that internal monologue and also experience visuals or feelings. And so there's so much, I like to say it's a very it's a very busy place in my head and in my heart. Um, and I think that's true for many, many people. And right. that can make it really, um, really challenging to navigate this internal landscape that we, you know, view as our self-talk and self self-told story, if you will. Which is why I was so pumped to write this. Book right. Because, who I mean, who better than you yeah. to write a book oh on my this? Gosh. Um, yeah. And I love the title of your book, Want Yourself. Um, why did you decide to name the book Want Yourself? Yeah. So there's sort of two parts to this, right? So first, I founded a platform many, many, many years ago called Want Women Against Negative Talk. And it's a platform that gives people tips, tools, motivation, inspiration to shift their negative self-talk patterns. Um, so that word has always been, and that acronym in particular, has always been really uh, sticky for me, if you will. And there's this thing about the word want, right? Where I just did a cabaret for my book launch and I invited a couple friends up to perform with me for one of the songs. And I asked them what the word want brought up for them. And my friend Jenny brought up something so astute, I found. She said, when I think of the word want and wanting something, that's usually, that's like the second page of the notebook, the second page of the journal, right? You have your need to do's on the first side, and then you have your want to do's after. And so they can usually come second, but they're actually the things that mean the most to us. And so a lot of us, when we talk about wanting ourselves and wanting to view ourselves and believe that view of ourselves in a more positive and proactive light, a lot of us want to skip to that part, which is normal, right? Like we we want to feel that way right from the get-go. However, it's really, really tough to do that without a framework or a roadmap, if you will, to get you to that place. And so when we speak about self-talk, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, we often jump to the talk part. This book is a framework to shift your self-talk by starting with the first part of the equation, which is the core of everything, which is the self part. So mm -hmm. want yourself is actually, the book is split up into five different parts. It's actually the last part of the book is want yourself because that is where you will hopefully, fingers crossed, end up yeah. when you've gone through this journey of the book. And again, it's 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 nuanced work, it's complicated work, but it's actually Absolutely. more simple than we give it credit for, and it's so worth it. 
I am sure it is. And thank you for explaining that so well. And I'd love to dive into that a little bit more later. But first, I want to start by asking you about your mission. I mean, obviously, this is something you are really passionate about. Uh, You've spent over a decade speaking across the US about self-confidence, living fearlessly and shifting your stories and habits um, that shape our negative self-talk patterns. So why is shifting the self-talk paradigm so important to you, Katie? Gosh, well, a lot of people talk about shifting your self-talk And they talk about it sort of in the same breath as they talk about sort of the mainstream self-care conversation, right? It's more of a a nice-to-have thing. But I actually view shifting your self-talk as way more urgent than we give it credit for. I believe that shifting your self-talk is the missing puzzle piece in the equation of making larger macro change happen in the world that we are not giving nearly enough credit and airtime to. And what I I hope is that this book can not only help people do that, but reinforce that this isn't a, a nice to have, it is a need to have. Because of course, yes, one bajillion percent, we need systems changes. We need, we need laws. We need uh, different complete structures created in our society so that everybody can thrive and live the fulfilling life that they are meant to lead. And also, we need people who are ready to fight for that vision and step into it. Because what happens when we have created the thing that we so say that we've wanted to create, if we feel like we are not worthy of it, or I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, that's not for me, I'm going to let other people do that. We're doubting ourselves because we've we've never maybe seen someone in, let's just take a, 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 a role, a position who maybe looks like us before then those people aren't going to step in those positions and we're going to get more of the same. So I really do believe in this work as work that can make more of a difference and more change in our culture and in our worlds than we really give it credit for. Absolutely. And it also seems like it's personal to you. Is this something you struggled with in the past? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> it's it's funny because you you added in the past there and what is interesting to me is i think that people assume because i have been doing this work for over a decade closer to two decades that i don't experience negative self talk ever but when people say oh i don't experience negative self talk or i don't struggle with negative self talk um, or that's not me anymore. I, I almost view that as someone saying, well, I never get tired or I, I just, I always have a lot of energy. We're, we're humans. Of course, you are going to get tired at some point in your life. Of course, you're going to have energy highs and energy dips in your life. The same with self-talk. 
you are going to experience the full breadth of what it means to be human. And so, of course, there are times where, you know, speaking personally, of course, there's times where I experience negative self-talk. But what's really cool is because I have been doing this work and, and stayed diligent about doing this work, my turnover time is quicker, if you will. So, of course, I feel feelings of fear or self-doubt. However, what happens now for me is I am able to go through, you know, the the roadmap, if you will, in this book in a really efficient way. Most of the time, I don't, I don't always get it right, but I'm able to go through it in a way that allows me to bounce back, if you will, quicker than I could have ever imagined years ago. And there was a time in especially if we're talking about my teens, my early 20s, where I struggled with a lot of mental health issues, eating and body-related disorders, which of course, as anybody who has gone through an eating disorder or body-related disorder knows, it's, that is a mental illness. It's very, very rarely about the eating or just about the body. And when I was in that time, you know, this is the early 2000s and the conversation that we were having around mental health, the conversation that we were having around eating disorders, your body in general, that conversation was not as robust as the conversation that we have now. And so there were very, very limited resources for people to go to, to when they were struggling with these more nuanced and maybe you know, coexisting issues. And so that was very much me. And I've always been a highly sensitive person. I have always been incredibly self-aware. And what I realized during that time, because I, I caught that there was something going on with me and I needed to figure this out because it was starting to affect areas in my life that mattered a lot to me. I was like, well, I, I, I think that I need to turn that intense self-awareness and that high proprioception and that high sensitivity that I've had my entire life, I need to turn that into a helpful aspect for me versus a harmful aspect of my life and my mindset for me. And so I started to pay really close attention to the thoughts that I was thinking, the feelings that I was feeling, and the environment that I was in not judging it, not trying to fix anything, just getting hyper curious about it all. And what I realized is that the language that I was speaking to myself was a language that I had become fluent in over the course of my life. Because what I noticed is that this, what I call casual negativity, this negative talk that we use as casual and emotionless as saying, the sky is blue. I had internalized that as my own language and become fluent in it. And mm. so that was the habit that I had built. And so when I got into a situation further down the line, when I was in college, I felt completely out of control. I felt intensely lonely. When I felt those feelings, of course, what I leaned on to keep me safe, if you will, was what I was familiar with. 
was that negative self-talk. And do you remember, I, I, I don't know how old you are, but do you remember or have you heard of the Dove Real Bodies commercial from oh, yeah. the Absolutely. early 2000s? Yeah, we're probably okay. around the same age. Yeah, like mid-30s. And I remember seeing that commercial. And it was for anyone who's listening who's not familiar. It was a commercial that came out in the early 2000s that was a bunch of women all in, you know, white underwear, bras, camisoles, all in different body types, body types, life stages, mm-hmm. races, stages. heights. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. We had never seen anything like it. It was, uh, it was quite a pioneering campaign. Yeah. Pioneer. It, it, it was revolutionary. It, it was, was absolutely yeah. revolutionary, which yeah. is, which is interesting now to be talking about it in, you know, 2023, where we see so much that, you know, that paved the way for. And and I saw that commercial and I remember thinking two things at the same time. Number one, I thought, oh my gosh, this is revolutionary. We're, we're allowed to say these things. It sort of gave that, you know, back to what you were saying earlier, it gave us that view of you are allowed to want yourself. And then I also thought, okay, that's amazing. Now, how do I get there? Where are the tips and tools along with this incredible motivation and inspiration for people who are maybe in a position like I'm in where I can't necessarily look at myself in the mirror and skip all the way to telling myself, I love myself, I'm beautiful, I'm amazing, and believe it. And so that was in 2007. And that's when I first thought of that idea for want for women against negative talk. And it sort of, I I launched it. I launched it with a website and um, I made t-shirts because I was a theater kid. And I was like, what do you do to make something official? (laughs) You make t-shirts. Not the way to necessarily start a business other than a t-shirt business, FYI. Um, But it sort of fizzled out in in the back of my mind for a little bit. And it, it hung out in sort of the corners of my brain and in my heart. And After multiple, multiple years, so I believe like eight years, it finally came back into my life after I had gone through my own journey, after my career had taken me to multiple different places where I was able to explore this work. And I remember thinking, there's still not this place where people can go to get a robust, let's call it ecosystem of resources, not to give them all the answers, but to help them ask better questions and develop their own unique toolkit. And so when it came back around to me, I, I, you know, when people create something that is, is especially so, so passion and and purpose driven, I, I called it my purpose project and still do to this day. When they created a lot of people say that they create what they needed when they were younger. And I think that that is what I first, that was what I I first thought of. But Mm -hmm. when it sort of came back around in my consciousness, what I wanted to create was really what I saw that other people could potentially so benefit from. And so I was no longer creating from my own wound, so to speak. I was, I was creating from this from the scar. And I did not, I did not create that phrase where creating from the scar, not the wound. 
but because but from I the lessons my- from the lessons from the from your own journey exactly exactly yeah. and so and that's the best it, place it, yes. to do it from totally it was personal but it also became so much more than than about me so what about those who are in the earlier phases of their self-talk journey what if they are struggling right now what would you say to people like that who feel like they're mired in negativity and really can't see it from an objective perspective and really get curious about it as you did? Where do they start? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that the reframe first of what self-talk is to begin with is really, really powerful because a lot of times we think of our self-talk and this self-told story of ours in very black and white terms, right? We think of it as it's either positive or negative. However, I view self-talk as neither inherently positive or negative, good or bad. It's information. And it's what we do with that information that informs what we do next and next and next and next. And of course, that is not going to solve every single thing or shift every single thing but that that core reframe can help people see their self talk in a completely different light because oftentimes when we are like you said so beautifully so mired in that negative self talk and we feel like we are just we are swimming in it and we have been sort of taken by the tidal wave of it all, we can be so quick to have feelings about the feelings that we're having. So I I work with a lot of high achieving people and or people who are, are very familiar, at least somewhat familiar with this sort of mindset work, if you will. And what I hear a lot is I hear them say things like, I thought I was over this, or I'm smarter than this, or I should know better by now. And so they start to get into that shame spiral, that shame and blame spiral, if you will, because of what's coming up. However, if you're able to view those pieces of negative self-talk as neither good or bad, it's information, then there's very different feelings that come up around that, right? Because then you're like, oh, interesting. I wonder what might be under this. And so then the curiosity is peaked versus the self-blame, shame, loathing. And so I always, yeah. always, it's it's like it's in the introduction of the book. Like I tell people to mm-hmm. start there. And what about the emotions, Katie? Because that can be challenging to manage because um that objective approach to where you are able to take a close look at your thoughts and see them as an information to get there you first have to neutralize your emotions so to speak so what do you tell your clients how can they do that yeah i think that um like you said you, you mentioned neutralizing your emotions. And I think that that's yeah, a step to get centered. People. Just get centered yeah. and balanced. 
Yeah. I, I think that that's a step that, um, you know, people sort of like the going to the want yourself or feeling wonderful about yourself, whatever it is. It's a step that people talk about and they can sometimes, it can seem like it should be way easier than it is, right? But it is not easy. And so I am a big proponent of before jumping to neutralizing your emotions or or even, you know, getting centered, if you will, like getting clear around the emotions that you're feeling and the emotions that you're feeling around the emotions that you're feeling. So let's take, for example, because now we're sort of getting into this, this like big Venn diagram. Let's just take you going into jealousy. Uh, let's say, yeah. Je- oh, that's a good one. Okay. So let's say <laughs> that you are, you, you are on social media and you are scrolling and you see a picture or you see a caption and someone has something that it, it piques that feeling of jealousy or envy in you. First, you feel that feeling often. If Let's just take me, for example. First, maybe I will feel that feeling. And then I will feel, oh, well, I'm feeling, so I see that, I feel jealousy or I feel envy. Then I feel envy is bad. Envy is a bad feeling. And then I feel oh my gosh, I I am someone who loves to celebrate other people. Why am I feeling envy? And so it just becomes this big loop that just sort of like, like one of those circles that you just keep drawing and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So first, yeah, you, you call would, it, you call it an overwhelm yeah. storm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can, you can, it can be overwhelming. Um, yeah, but you can get, you can get into the negative self-talk spiral um, it might cause an overwhelm storm if you keep seeing these things and you keep getting into these places. Um, then it just feels like, oh my gosh, it's everywhere. I'm I'm always jealous. I'm always envious, and you know that's really hard to to manage. And so, I like to first go to getting to the information underneath, but also what might be useful for people is. For them to ask themselves, well, why do I, why do I think that this is a bad thing to feel? Like, what's the information under there? So, why do I feel like envy? For example, just taking my own example here, why do I feel like envy is a bad thing to feel? Well, if I think of envy, it means that I must not, I must not champion other people. I think that envy means that I actually don't want other people to succeed. And then I can ask myself, well, but that's not the case. So, because I do, so what else might be going on? And it sort of gets you into, it's a redirect that redirects you into curiosity instead of the shame and the blame that you are going into. And so I think that a lot of people, do start with the, okay, I need to get centered. That's really, really, really hard. Yes, it's a wonderful thing to do. However, if you're able to do that right away, 
amazing. For anybody who's listening who might be struggling with that step and needs sort of an in-between, that curiosity is it, it it can be it can be a lifeline. It can be uh you know something that comes in that can really help you out, that can help you get centered later on. And that is something that it might feel like at first it is hard to do. But also, if you are that person, getting centered is hard to do. Like lots of things are hard to do yeah, in this I moment. Mean, so you and it's yeah. something that happened to me last week, actually. I found out something that was unpleasant and I found myself pretty overwhelmed when I heard about it. And mm-hmm. what really helped me, Katie, was first of all, I took a few deep breaths. And then I thought about what I bring to the table. I really try to go within and remember that I am worthy of love, that I am someone who can contribute to society. I know it sounds vague if I don't give you specifics of the situation, but no, I that, want to honor that, that, is, that privacy. That is what worked for me to really go within. And you actually highlight this in the book. You talk about self-love and you distinguish it from self-like. And I'd love to dive deep into that right now because for me, self-love was what really worked in that moment of overwhelm. Mm-hmm. So why do you think it's so important? Yeah, I think that, you know, that I, I thank you so much for sharing that story, by the way. And I think that you are a prime, prime example of what can happen on the other side of being able to do this work and work like this. Oh, yeah. It happens to all of us. You know? But like you, I, I'm able to get back to center and recover pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I also want to note, like you've probably this isn't something that you just started doing last week, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we've we've got our toolbox and you know, we know what what works for us. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that sometimes what we what we can um what we can do is we can look to people, and this isn't just in this this type of work. This is anything like this happens with strangers on the street this happens in relationships and family dynamics and careers i think we can often look to the people who are sort of living the life or living the way that we want to live and be like okay well i've i've just i've got to go there and i've got to do it like them however just like if we're going to take career for example if we want to actually get to a place that's like that, we've got to look at all of the stuff that they they did to get there and figure out, okay, well, what's right for me? So back to your question of self-love and self-like, a lot of people, when they think of self-love, they think of just being enamored with every single part of themselves. And I actually view self-love more along the lines of unconditional love. So let's let's double tap into that for just a second. If you think of the people or the beings in your life that you love unconditionally, might be a partner, might be a family member, might be a, a dog or a cat, you don't always like 
everything that they're doing all the time, right? Or you don't always agree with them, you know, taking, just mentioned dogs, taking my dog, for example. I love her unconditionally. Sometimes she is, you know, barking or trying to pick up things on the street. And it's like, I, I get really annoyed with her, of course, but I love her unconditionally. And so the relationship that we have with ourself is exactly the same, is exactly the same as relationships that we have with others out there. So I like to tease apart this idea of self-love versus self-like. So self-like is more of those things like I just mentioned you are allowed to not like all parts of yourself or all decisions that you make or all things that you say all of the time. I would actually argue that that is part of what makes you human. However, none of that reflects really on your self-love, your true self-love, the unconditional part of your self-love. You can not like certain things and love yourself in spite of, or maybe even because of those things. Those two are able to coexist. And in this conversation that we often have about self-love, it is very much about, you know, just being a fan of every single thing that you're doing. And many times that is not going to be the case. And I just, I find it so disheartening when people think that their level of self-like determines their level of self-love. But self-love is based in something that is so much deeper. Self-love is based in self-trust and getting to the truth of who you are and then trusting that truth. Mm, I love that. That's that that is so beautiful. And it can be tough to stay in that place of self-love in our world, like especially when you face challenges and you people reject you and you know you look at social media. It can be hard to kind of stay in that state of self-love and really believe in yourself. Yeah, yeah. And there's also, you know, just talking about social media. It has been said many a time, so I do not need to say what has already been said a bajillion times, but, you know, the idea of, of the social media highlight reel and seeing highlight reel after highlight reel after highlight reel. You know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I think that what's so interesting is that oftentimes the way that social media works is that it shows us more of what it thinks we want to see. So it actually shows us more of if you're taking that, you know, into consideration, it's oftentimes showing us more of what we actually want ourselves. So if you are thinking as you are seeing people doing these things that you are like, oh, well, that looks nicer, that looks more amazing, like that's actually it it's doing its job because it's showing it to you, like, hey, you, Katie, Celine, like whatever you you want this thing. Like this is open to you too. So pay attention and do this in your own way. It's like a little tap on the shoulder, if you will, to remind you of what you actually desire. So when it, you know, we talked about it a second ago, like when you're feeling those feelings, 
how can people start to navigate those feelings of like jealousy or envy, recognizing that that feeling that you're feeling is almost like, oh, I want that too. Then you get to ask yourself, so what am I going to do about it? Hmm. And one of the things that you prescribe that I find quite amusing is um, planned freakouts. It's a term that mm-hmm. you coined, uh, yes. which you which you describe as a structured way to lose your shit and then find it again. Please <laughs> tell us how that works. <laughs> yes. Um, so I do want to give credit where credit is due. The planned freakout was initially <laughs> the idea of my husband, Jeremy. Um, and like you said, it's a structured way to lose your shit and then find it again. So a plan is it similar to is, venting? Uh, no, it is not. It is not venting. It is not complaining. It is about identifying what gets under your skin sort of the most and then developing a proactive mindset and, and action plan to start to get you to move forward. So it's definitely not about solving everything in the moment. It's not about just venting. It's actually a planned freakout is best done. It's actually, I believe that it it should only be done because I don't use universal quantifiers like that often, but a planned freakout is about the first part of it too, right? The planned part of it. So it's best done in a neutral-ish time or a time where you just start to feel like the seeds of overwhelm, like starting to percolate, starting to bubble up. So the second that you start to feel that, or even in the most neutral time, what you do is you schedule it on the calendar and you, I recommend going somewhere to do this and doing it with a partner. And you basically take out a notebook. It's like a supercharged journaling exercise, if you will. And you open up a spread of pages. And on the first side, you write things I hate. And this language is is really, really important. Things I hate. Other side, you write things I dislike. Then you set a timer. I recommend, especially for your first PFO, if you will, with the acronym, I recommend 10 to 20 minutes. And then you just go, you brain dump all of the things. And then after that, you can, then you write, uh, you can make a line underneath it or you can flip to another page and you write, so what am I going to do about it? I like to say, so I can, I can say four letter words. We said shit, right? I could say that on yeah, this podcast. You can. Um, yeah. I like saying, so what the fuck am I going to do about it? <laughs> and then you set another timer and and you go. And then yeah. you sort of share it with the other person. And mm. that's important too, because you want to, you want to give it voice. You want to say it out loud. Mm. And what that does is that first of all allows you a a safe container to not just Feel your feelings, but identify all of the stuff that's getting under your skin that you're worried about, whatever it is. Um, and hate and dislike are two different things. So that's why they're two separate columns because hate is a really emotionally heavy word. It really dislike, is. Dislike, you know, for me, dislike is more like, oh, I dislike that my my desk is a mess. I dislike, um, I don't know, 
I just like my 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 chipping nails. Like those aren't <laughs> those aren't hate things. Hate are more like I hate that I remember one of my earliest planned freak out hate points was that I hated feeling like I didn't know where where each month's finances were going to come from or if I was going to get them. So it can really, it can be this broad spectrum because I think also sometimes we can talk ourselves out of those hate or dislike things by saying, oh, other people have it worse or that isn't so bad. So this gives you a space to do that. But then after you do all of that, and I recommend like taking a little break, getting some water, beer, at a place where maybe they serve fruit, food, like order some French fries. That's my go-to. And then you open another spread and you write things I love, things I like. And then you set a timer and you do the exact same thing. And you just brain dump all of those things. Again, the things that you truly love, love, love. And then the things that you like that are maybe a little more lighter. And then you do the same thing. Make a line, turn a page, and you write so what the f- am I going to do about it? Because here's the thing. First of all, it serves as maybe it can feel like a little bit of a palate cleanser. It identifies those things that you love and you like, and it gives you a roadmap for that as well. Because so often we, we most of the time pay attention to the things that are getting under our skin and what we're fighting against. But we forget to give that same attention to the things that we love, things that we want to celebrate, and devising an action plan around those things. Because so often we'll take them for granted, right? So this planned freakout can give you the beginnings of a structure to get you into the headspace and heart space to do something about not only the things that are getting under your skin in a way that feels hard, hurtful, but the stuff that gets under your skin that makes you feel more fulfilled, more joy. It is, it, it's one of my favorite. So it's the good and, stuff and the bad yeah. stuff. So yeah, exactly. We, my husband and I do it. Um, we do a planned freak out. I believe like one, once a quarter, it is um, a game changer. Yeah, definitely sounds like it. Thank you for sharing that with us, Katie. And I know that your book, you provide a whole other bunch of tools and mindsets that can really help us in shifting our self-talk. So Katie, it's been so wonderful talking to you. I really appreciate you being here and sharing your knowledge and inspiring us. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm honored to have been here with you and with your listening community. And I, I could not ask for anything more. And I, I hope that people found this useful and that they get the book and and they enjoy yeah. it and ultimately they make it their own. Absolutely. And I want to let our listeners know if you want to know more about Katie's book or if you want to purchase it, it is available where our books are sold and on her website, katiehorwich.com. The link will be in the description. The full title of the book is Want Yourself, Shift, Shift of Self-Talk and Unearth the Strength in Who You Were All Along. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. 
Take care and speak soon.